Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. Joining you guys on a beautiful Monday edition of the podcast. We're putting this one out a little bit earlier than we have previously when we've been doing our final scouting reports. And that's because it, it was basically as much of an emergency pod as we could possibly do. Because as our bad luck would play out. The one weekend that Ben actually goes to see his family on Friday afternoon, the NFL draft world gets tipped on its head and we have two major trades that happen that demand that Ben and I do a mock draft for you here on this Monday with the brand new mock draft order. We would have got it out earlier, but Ben, you were out enjoying family, which I don't blame you for at all. It just it feels like it was that kind of time. It feels like you do. It feels like that's what this messaging is about. I'm just making sure that everybody knows that they could have had the mock draft out on time had you actually just hated your family instead. Yeah. It really, like, it was truly one of those, you know, NFL reporter and sports reporter stories where I'm just standing in the line for my first flight. (laughs) And the the Niners and the Dolphins make a, the Schefter tweet like you know file to ESPN and I was like there's no way and I read I'm like holy smokes this is tectonic this is world ending I can't believe this is happening oh my goodness my job which is covering the NFL draft how much of an impact this will be and then four freaking seconds later the Eagles announced that they've <laughs> traded oh, you've got to be kidding I I my editor at a bleeding green nation brandon lee gowton was like away like he was out on a walk and he learned that there was breaking news because he got a message from me that just said i can't write anything i'm getting onto a plane and he was like oh no what is happening (laughs) what a way to find out right exactly like that was his first like before anybody else before any push notification just a slack from ben i can't write anything i'm getting on a plane uh and then yeah and then i sat on a plane six feet from a woman wearing a Niners sweater and it took all of my self-control not to turn around and be like okay did you hear okay so here's the thing I think that Kyle Shanahan doesn't want a quarterback like Mac Jones and let me tell you why and and I I don't think she would have enjoyed her flight but I just wanted to talk to somebody so bad so the details of the trade obviously they're they're massive trades that have to do with The NFL draft, not just this year, but for years to come. The first one, as Ben said, it was between the San Francisco 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. Miami traded the third overall pick to San Francisco in exchange for the Niners' first-round picks in 2021, 2022, and 2023, plus a third-round pick in 2022. So a massive haul to go up from number 12 to number 3. And we thought, okay, all right, Miami Dolphins, they're picking number 12. Not so fast, my friends. It took about approximately 26 minutes for Schefter to also then turn the draft world on its head yet again, saying that the Eagles had reported to trade the their sixth overall pick to Miami in exchange for the Dolphins' 12th pick and then a first-rounder in 2022, which they have multiple now. There were also two other picks that were involved, but that was the big one, them getting two selections there. I know that we're going to talk about this when we run through this mock draft, Ben, but the Eagles getting two first-round picks to move back six spots, and not just six spots, but six to 12. It's not like you're moving from one to six. I mean, that's that was a really, really great deal if that was what they were looking to do. Yeah, I think that the Niners-Dolphins trade... The Dolphins were the winner. Uh, it's not a bad trade for the Niners. The Niners benefit. They this, this this number three overall pick truly was the pivot point. I do think that the number two pick is locked uh, is written in stone. That seems to be the impression that others have. I'm sure that the Jets would like for that not to be the impression, so as to uh, continue, you know, making uh, uh, claims like they're going to play Sam Donald or whatever, you know, try to keep that price up. But I think they're going to pick Zach Wilson there. Uh, 
the best part of the entire trade bonanza was Rappaport tweeting that the Eagles wanted to move up to three right. initially, right. but couldn't because Zach Wilson won't be on the board, and that's who they were targeting. And then eight minutes later, deleting that tweet and tweeting a rephrasing on the confusing language of another tweet. <laughs> the Eagles like quarterbacks of that, and it's like, okay, they're chief. Uh, yeah, somebody didn't like how, how explicit you were. Um, but anyway... I, I do think there's benefit to the Niners thing that it's, it's good for them. I think they go and now they get their choice of Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones, all of whom have their own separate uh, uh, boons. There's ever positives, and we'll certainly talk about that when we get there. Uh, but the Dolphins truly were the winner in the sense that multiple first-round picks. They, they get two first-round picks to move back nine spots. Uh, they get the, the extra third as well, which is nothing to, to, to sneeze at. It's a near top 100 pick. Uh continuing to build future capital out while still being able to make impact draft picks in this year's draft. Like it's crazy. Like the dolphins continue to trade back and continue to gain future firsts, but also like made two first round picks last year and are going to make two first round picks this year. You know what I mean? Like, and they're probably going to make two first round picks next year. Right. And then they're probably going to make two first round picks the next year. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, then, right. So it's really, really quite something. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Chris Greer, man. Like he's, yeah, Chris Greer has been, it feels like, the poster boy for get aggressive in the draft. I mean, he he took over the Miami Dolphins, what was it, five years ago now as GM? And he has just not been afraid at all to wheel and deal the way that he wants to, to get as aggressive as he wants, to stockpile draft picks, to navigate the draft however he needs to. I mean, he is he is not afraid to, at all to take risks and move up and down the draft. And and I think that he has started to really break the mold for a lot of other GMs, and he's started to cause more movement and more excitement in the draft because of how well he has done that job. And it, it, it's mm-hmm. always a risk because if you, you know, if you're Dave Gettleman, I'm just going to throw him out there because he's just not known for draft trading. If you're Dave Gettleman and you go, nope, we're picking at 11. This is our pick. We're going to do what we need to with it. We're going to we're going to map it out exactly we, the way we need to. We're going to be fully prepared for pick number 11. That's fine. Like it, it allows you to do a lot of research for a single spot. But it also could prohibit you from doing what actually might help your team the best. And I think that Chris Greer is really figuring out how to be the best of both worlds here. So, I, you know, Dolphins quarterback situation aside cuz that's a whole nother conversation. I really really like how Chris Greer has been doing things in Miami. Yes, up until the Eagles trade, at which point I didn't get it. Uh, I think at that point, I, I certainly obviously did not love that one as much as the Niners trade, but clearly we've got to think that the Dolphins moved back to 12, and what got me the most excited about what happened on Friday is it was like a boom-boom transaction, which meant that there were conversations happening on two different sides. And if you've ever played fantasy football before, there's a good chance, and like like super into it fantasy football, there's a good chance that you have been talking with somebody on your left while also secretly talking with somebody on your right saying, okay, if I get this player from this person... Will you then trade me that player for one of you like two of your players? Right. Like you always you always have these deals and you just feel so powerful when it works out. And the deal with the Eagles obviously was already in place because Chris Greer was like, Yeah, we're getting an extra first round pick, but I'll give you another one so we don't have to move all the way back to twelve, so we can get the best best pass catcher in this draft, the exact guy that we want, while also still picking up an extra first round pick. So they were probably looking at this situation thinking, we want to get the best pass catcher in this draft. At least that's what we think the Dolphins are doing. But we don't have to pick them at three. Instead, we can probably pick them at six before we get a run on some teams that really need them. And we're getting an extra first-round pick and, and a third-round pick, which, like you said, it's nothing to, nothing to take lightly, getting those in the deal anyway. Could you say they didn't really have to give up a first-round pick to move from six to 12? Yeah, okay, I I could get that because that is certainly the higher end of what you would have been paying for it. But they clearly had a plan that they wanted to execute. And even though maybe the value wasn't as good for the trade up as it was for the trade down, it's not like I could sit here and just really focus on the nitpicking of what happened there. I, I, I think it's a little bit of an overpay, but it's clearly what they wanted to do here. And they're the they're still in the exact situation they want to be in, just with an extra first round pick in hand. Yeah, uh, 
I think the overpay is one conversation in terms of like if you're trading up into the top 10, it's going to cost you a lot because usually that is a trade up for a quarterback. And in this case, you're not trading up for a quarterback, but you're still moving up from 12 to six and it's going to cost an extra one. And obviously you had ones to spare, but still it kind of stinks uh, that you're using that just to move up six spots. What I don't love about it is the sensation like like Albert Breer in the Monday morning quarterback this morning writing about it from the Eagles perspective. Uh, they think that, you know, quarterbacks are going to go, and then they think that the Bengals are going to take Chase at five, which is really interesting. Uh, and then after that, they feel like the difference in talent between six and 12 really is just not enough to warrant staying at six, having the choice of the litter, and not getting the extra first-round pick next year. And that reflects the uncertainty of the draft, right? Like Eagles fans, when this happened initially, were like, this is the worst because we don't get Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts now. And it's like, yeah, that sucks. But also like, you know, we were, every Eagles fan in the world was upset about Justin Jefferson not being the pick and Jalen Rager being the pick instead. Uh, Justin Jefferson was the fifth wide receiver taken last year. It's very rare that the league gets this right. You know, there's so many factors that go into productive rookie play mm-hmm. that you can't, say with certainty like oh i i'm so positive x player is good and he's better than y player such that it's worth making this trade right before i even uh like get him in my building you know what i mean like uh people have made the point like the 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 dolphins traded two firsts to go get this pick which will probably become i think kyle pitts uh you people traded two firsts to get odell beckham jr people traded two firsts to get cleo mack like this is like that's like a proven veteran top of his position package guys have taken a snap yet and i for as much as i love kyle pitts or penny sewell it could it could become either that's steep for me that that's that's really really believing sure. with confidence in your ability to evaluate draft and develop and that's something that usually gets teams burned because the draft is much more sort of a crapshoot than we want to admit so that's my my thoughts on those two deals yeah. um Dolphins are still in a great spot, and now as we as we mock, we'll see that they still operate as a pivot at six for like a lot of this class. Yeah, I I, I agree with what you're saying there, especially just maybe as a talking Eagles fans off the ledge kind of a kind of a metaphor where we all hone in on the guys that we exactly want in the draft, like you just said there. Oh, we don't get Kyle Pitts. Oh, we don't get Jamar Chase. Like we we don't have a chance to get these guys. You are so right when you say that, dude, if the Eagles draft, let's let's just say Rashad Bateman at 12, which right now, because we've done so many mock drafts, we've had so many conversations, Bateman's going, what, late teens at the earliest, normally early right. 20s. And we would say to ourselves right now, that's crazy. You'd never take, you'd never take Rashad Bateman that early. And to, for the Justin Jefferson argument. Henry Ruggs went 11. Justin Jefferson went, what, 24? Was it 24? 22? What was it? What was the last 23, one? 22. Okay, so Jefferson Jefferson goes 22. That's 11 picks lower than what Henry Ruggs went. You'd obviously take that immediately. You'd take Justin Jefferson. The Raiders would take Justin Jefferson if they could there. And that's just that's how the NFL draft works. So, yeah, trading back gives you less of a chance to go get maybe the guys that were at the top, the guys that you think have the higher percentage to hit. But this wide receivers class is so good. This pass catcher class is just so good in general. I really, I, I love what the Eagles did all around. I think they got great value for it, and I think they're still in a good spot to go get a good pass or uh, a good pass catcher as well. We got to read an ad, and then we're getting into the mock draft after that. Bet online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college basketball, NHL, they're all in full swing. BetOnline even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. All caps, one word, Locked On. Bet online, your online sports book experts, starting the brand new mock draft with the new draft order coming up next. Get all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Ben, ready to get it going? 
this brand new mock draft? I mean, you want odds or evens? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, 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 <laughs> evens. Evens, evens gives you the Eagles and it gives yeah. you the Dolphins a six. I forgot that this was a thing I had to think about. Evens, <laughs> let's do it. Okay. All right, you're evens, which means I am number one with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I just want to read this little excerpt from Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback. Is it Monday Morning Quarterback? Whatever oh, Peter King does. What, yeah, Sun, whatever, Football whatever, Sunday. Football Monday, Football Morning in America, whatever. Yeah. He asked, he asked Urban Meyer specifically, is there any real mystery that you're picking Trevor Lawrence? First, first word of the urban, first word of the Urban Meyer answer is uh, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. He says, "Uh, I'd have to say that's the direction we're going. I'll leave that up to the owner when we make that decision official. But I'm certainly not stepping out of line that that's certainly the direction we're headed." Trevor Lawrence at wow. overall. So- sounds like an Urban Meyer answer, even yeah. though, like in this case, it's it's much more so harmless and it's just what urban's doing i just love uh, to be typed out uh as the first uh, word uh, <laughs> it feels like a yes uh number two the new york jets uh, i think we we start uh, approaching this pick with the same not the same certainty but almost, also man. Uh, as almost dude they would believe to be stamped yeah i mean like for all of this to be happening during zach wilson's pro day was probably just a coincidence but also like maybe not uh, and I think that there's been enough smoke from enough legit plugged in guys that it's very hard to imagine uh, the Jets being a team that does not have Wilson as QB2. Unless we would have heard about it. Uh, maybe it's it's a, a great head fake. I, I don't think it is. I think that Wilson's not number two quarterback off the board. He's playing for the New York Jets and it's a it's a fine pick. I think he's going to be a good pro. I cannot remember who reported this. Uh, my apologies on it. I don't remember if it was Schefter or Rappaport or who it was, but they said that the Niners had been doing their due diligence with asking for trades. They had called the Atlanta Falcons. They had called the Miami Dolphins, and they had also called the Cincinnati Bengals. So picks three, four, and five to try to gauge some trade price and trade interest to see where they would go. They wanted to get as high as possible, but they did not even call the New York Jets. They didn't even... They didn't even make a trade offer to the New York Jets, which is intriguing because who's the Jets head coach? Trevor Sala, right? Who's your offensive Adam, coordinator? Nope. Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. It's Michael Floor, right? I mean, like these are guys who were just in the building last year. They have a great relationship and good communication with these guys. If there was a deal to have even been made, they would have called them and just had a conversation about it. They didn't even call them. They didn't even ask. They didn't even ask about number two overall. That tells me more than anything else that this number two overall pick is sealed. I think that it's Zach Wilson. That leaves the Niners, who did trade up up to number three here. I think he moved up for a quarterback again. Peter King from his column that he put out this morning, um, and I might reference it a couple more times just because I know that Peter King is very plugged in. He said that the Niners don't even exactly know who they're going to pick yet. I'm not so sure. I believe that because I don't. I don't think you give up three first-round picks just for, like, the chance to go up and get a guy. You have to really think that the guy is worth it. So mm-hmm. then the question doesn't become, you know, who are they going to decide? It's who are they going to pick? Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. We've heard some Mac Jones smoke. I don't think that it's going to be Mac Jones at number three. I really don't. I think it's going to be between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Shanahan has been able to have his hands on Justin Fields and work with him over the last couple of years. And then when you listen to how it seemed like the news was coming out relating to Garoppolo after this, where it's like, oh, no, 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 Garoppolo is our guy, which is hilarious that we're using the term our guy after all the Josh Rosen stuff that came out a couple of years ago. But he's like, oh, Garopp- I never, ever want to be anybody's our guy. No, ever. it's it's the, it's the kiss of death for quarterbacks. Ben and is our guy. I'll start packing my bags. It's right. It, you got to You got to start looking for, uh, you know, real estate guys to, to start selling your property. I think it's Trey Lance. I do. I think that they moved up to go get Trey Lance. The way that they were talking about Garoppolo and how it made sense and how it lined up exactly with what, what Trey Lance would need, how you like him because of the tools that he gives you, but you don't like all the inexperience. You don't like how he would be jumping from uh, NDSU right to the NFL. He was only a one-year starter. I think all of that lends itself to Jimmy Garoppolo probably being the starter next year and then Trey Lance taking over the following year. So I'm going to pick Trey Lance here at number three for the Niners. 
Right. I believe strongly that Mac Jones is a head fake. I don't think I, I, I when you like when when you read the Peter King tweet, it's like the Niners don't know who they're taking. I think the Niners have done extremely hard work to make sure that when they made this deal, the league didn't know who they were taking. I think they know. And I think you you do that because you don't want somebody to call the Jets at two, a team that you couldn't get to move off of the spot, a team that didn't move off the spot, and say, hey, you know, we know the Niners want Lance at three. We know the Niners want Fields at three. We'll give you anything for two because that's our guy. And now the Jets have an opportunity to get like an RG3 package plus for number two overall. You don't, and and do you think they're going to take that? Probably not. But you don't want that to happen. And so you're doing your best to keep the smoke screen up. Uh, I don't think it's Mac. Uh, I've shared a quote on my Twitter of Kyle Shanahan basically after Josh Allen absolutely beat the pulp out of the San Francisco 49ers on national television, talking about how the way that he's evaluating people is always changing. And you you can win football games with any type of quarterback, depending on how your offense is built. Like if you're good enough and you're smart enough, you can win offense with any type of quarterback. So when he evaluates the quarterback, he's trying to find this elite type of a guy. That is something he said in December after a loss. I don't think he said that with the idea that, oh, I better be able to conceal my love for Mac Jones come April. That, to me, that seems organic and a lot more of these kind of, oh, they're going to the Alabama Pro Day, not the Ohio State Pro Day. That to me is more so just that smoke. Yeah, so I agree with you. I think it's not Mac Jones. I'm not sold it's Trey Lance, but I would say Lance is more likely than Fields at this point. I would agree with you. Who you got it for? For Atlanta Falcons, uh, quarterback probably still in play, but difficult. Uh, you really have to believe in your guy and believe in your long-term roster building because you're going to spend four overall on a guy who's not going to see the field for at least one year, if not two. Uh, and you have a ton of other gaps in the roster to figure out in the meantime. I'm going to make a pick that I made a few months ago that pissed people off and will probably still piss people off. I think Rashawn Slater makes sense for them. Tackle out of Northwestern. Do you want to do uh, a trade down, though? Or do you think that they got to stay there for it? Oh, no. Do, do trade. Yeah, you can do trades. We can do that. Ooh. You want to come up? Yeah, a team you got your eyes on? I mean, I think it makes sense for the Broncos to move up. I do. Uh, I, I Now, I say that in my head, I think it makes sense for the Broncos to move up because if Fields is still on the board at number four and Atlanta goes, hey, let's make a deal, that makes sense because if Fields gets to, you know, I, w- I would even say five or six, like he's still on the board. Carolina's doing whatever they can to move up. Basically, not this pick, right? We know that Carolina's going to get super aggressive or wants to get super aggressive for a quarterback that they can believe in. They're just probably not going to trade with number four because I don't think Atlanta's going to want to trade potentially a future franchise quarterback to the Carolina Panthers unless the Panthers are just extremely overpaying in which the Falcons just go, okay, fine, we'll do it. So I think that that reality is really difficult, and that's the big roadblock here. We often have Carolina trading up. But for the Broncos, it could make sense because this is their perfect opportunity. If they don't trade up to number four, and a lot of people I've seen say the Broncos don't need to give all of that up to move from nine to four. They can still stay at nine, get a player that they like, even maybe get a quarterback they like. Okay, I agree with you, but it's probably not going to be the one they prefer. And if they don't make a deal with the Falcons, they are absolutely going to get outbid by the Panthers for any other selection, whether it's trading up to five, six, seven, doesn't matter. The Panthers are going to outbid them. We've seen how aggressive David Tepper wants to get the owner in Carolina. So I would tell you that if if Atlanta's moving back, they're probably either moving back with the Denver Broncos at nine or to get even spicier. Patriots at 15. The Patriots at 15. Yeah. Right. All right. That's too spicy for me, but Broncos is spicy enough. Like we'll just 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 enough spice, yeah. yeah like health he- healthy. Like meat, like meat, like medium wings. Not like what, not quite like hot wings, but not like. No, nah, I mean, I would say like, like hot wings is enough, and then like you know the crazy like explosive ones too much. Regardless, okay. I don't want to like so I'm basically I'm calling Atlanta and it, and I'm like listen the Niners gave three threes uh, to move out from twelve to three. So I'm maxing out at two. 
right? I'm giving you this year, next year. Um, and then I'll give you a day two pick if, this year. Yeah, if you give them this year, next year. Well, I think the Eagles. I think the Eagles pick, yeah, hurts them here. Because the Eagles getting an extra first round pick just to move from six to twelve means that they they I think the Broncos absolutely have to give up their first round this year, first round or next year. I did a live mock on Sunday with with Zach Cohen, which was a lot of fun, and I had the Broncos giving up a lot of just day two capital instead of instead of two first round picks, and I think it still worked out for Atlanta. But yeah, there's a good chance that Atlanta would say no, we need two ones just because of that Eagles trade for sure. Yeah, no, to me this is. One this year, one next year. So you give you nine. Yep. And then I try to get away with giving you just 71, my third this year. I don't think I get away with it. I think that I give you like a two and you send me back a four or whatever. So I, I, the Broncos send the, the Falcons nine overall, 40 overall, and a future first. Uh-huh. Uh, they get fourth overall pick from the Falcons and uh, like a fourth rounder this year, fifth rounder this year. Just okay. something to throw in. I'll throw in a fourth rounder. Uh and then, yeah, if they're making that move up, so this is interesting now because it's it's basically them saying one of Justin Fields and Mac Jones we don't think gets past the Panthers at eight or mm-hmm. whatever pick they move up on. Mm-hmm. Who is that player? Because if they think they know who the, the Panthers want and they want the other guy, they can wait. Um, so a lot of this is not only prognosticating who the Broncos will like, but prognosticating who the Panthers will like, which is what's leaning me towards Justin Fields. Um, but it really feels like Justin Fields is just not viewed highly in the league. Uh, his pro day is today. Peter King wrote that like, he really has to impress his pro day. No, he doesn't. He went into the national championship. Like, what, are, he's, what are you talking? He just have to impress his pro day. He's an excellent quarterback, whatever. Uh, I'll take Justin Fields at four. I don't think Fields is locked in even to quarterback four at this point. It's really quite something that we've yeah. gotten here. But here we are. Um, Bengals at five. Uh, I mean, we've often said Penny Sewell, but apparently there's some smoke here that they would take a wide receiver over that. Obviously, Joe Burrow, their franchise quarterback, knows Jamar Chase very well. We'll go Jamar Chase here just because I, I simply have not done that in many mock drafts. And we can switch it up. A lot of different things in this mock draft here. And, and, Shoot, I, I saw a poll. I think that it was Joe Goodberry who put up the poll. and It was like, who would you rather have, Penny Sewell or Jamal Chase, if they're both sitting there at five? And I was shocked at how many people were voting for Jamal Chase. I actually got to— Everybody wants to run it with the wide receivers, man. I, yeah, but like O-line, folks. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find this poll because I wanted to see— I wanted to see what the final results of it were. I think it was Joe who put it out. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, uh, we excuse the Bengals a lot for just making decisions that football teams wouldn't make if they were trying to win games because they're the Bengals and that's what they do. But, man, I'll be so pissed off if this team doesn't take a tackle. That's just absurdly negligent. I just that's just disrespectful. I just uh, how can you claim to be competitive if you're just going to continue to do this to your offensive line? Yeah. Hey, man, they signed Riley Reef, you know. All right, I can't find it, but it was a lot closer than I thought. So I'm going to go Jamar Chase because, just because uh, we're going to switch it up here. But I, yeah. I agree with you that the better the better choice would be the offensive tackle. Uh, turns my stomach over. Six Miami Dolphins. Uh, I said it earlier. I think this is Kyle Pitts. Uh, tight end is not listed as a huge need for the Dolphins. However, we know Pitts to be a potential 100 target per game, uh, per season player. Uh, a high-level pass catcher, the ability to play in line, in the slot, and outside. Uh, with Devontae Parker and with Preston Williams, he's going to be able to play in line and in the slot, continue to work the middle of the field. Uh, I think that there's a sense in Miami that they need to get a good middle-of-the-field target because Tua wants to be a quick point guard-like distributor, and so you need that player who can who can turn throws over the middle of the field into chunk gains, something Pitts should be able to do with his tackle-breaking, his, his elusiveness ability. Uh, uh, that, that should help you out. With that said, uh, it, it isn't a perfect fit, but when they trade up from 12 to 6, to me, it's to get a blue-chip player. And Sewell's a blue-chip, Pitts is a blue-chip. Either one makes sense. I'll take Pitts here. I've heard smoke that it's for Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle. Oh, man, I really think if they moved up from 12 to 6 to get like Smith or even Waddle, who I, I like a lot, I just think that that's... I don't... I, I would be I, very... 
I don't think to like to your to your Justin Jefferson point that you made earlier in the podcast. I don't think you feel the need to give up a first round pick to move from twelve to six if you're not taking Kyle Pitts. Like I, I, I just think that you you could if you were the Dolphins. Yes, of course. I I think that you have the guys that you have ranked a little bit higher in that group. But how do you not look at all three of those guys and just think, hell yeah, good wide receivers. Like (laughs) These guys are absolutely just going to help out our team one way or the other. I am with you in the fact that moving up from that spot means that you are either hunting an elite player or an elite trait. So I really think that this is only between Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddell, something that you absolutely could not get that number 12. I think it's going to be between one of those two guys. And I would probably tell you it's Kyle Pitts. And that's why, like, I, again, I think Sewell would be a really great pick for them as well, but pass catchers got to be the premium there. So I think they're taking Kyle Pitts. Lions at seven. This is an interesting board for the Lions at seven. They got Patrick Sertan, Rayshon Slater, Penny Sewell still here. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith. I still think it's got to be wide receiver. I just don't I don't know if Devontae Smith is gonna go ahead of Jalen Waddle. Crazy, but I agree. All right, I'll go Jalen Waddle. We'll do Waddle here at seven. You're up at it. Feels like that's what we always default to with the Lions, whereas they could go like so many different ways. But they need wide receiver so bad still. Especially losing Galladay. You know? They brought in some guy. I mean, like they've got Williams. They brought in Perryman, I believe. They have Quintez Cephas, Danny Amendola. Do they still have Danny Amendola? I think it was no, free, free agent. agent. Oh, they have Cephas, Tyrell Williams, and Brashad Perryman. Okay, yeah. No, we're going uh, Jalen Waddle. Yep, there it is. <laughs> there you go. All right. Eight. Don't Panthers. do it. Don't. What do you mean, don't do it? Well, you think he's not going to go top 10? This is real. This is real. You got to get on on this bus, man. Don't because I we got it's necessary at this point. Gosh, with Penny Sewell right there. How they don't, they don't need? Oh, they did. Greg they Little, Taylor Bowen. They definitely need Penny Sewell. Panthers death chart. I'll double check. I they drafted Little two years ago, and they got Mo in on the franchise tag. Right. So they would, they would, if Penny Sewell, if Penny Sewell is on the board, I just don't, from what I have heard. All right, Mr. I run a Panthers podcast. The Panthers are not really one of those teams that is in on Mac Jones. And that's not, that's not from, from anything of me running the Panthers podcast, but (laughs) I have been told that they might not be as high on Mac Jones as some other NFL teams would. Not that they wouldn't draft him, but I just don't. I don't know if Mac Jones, if they believe that Mac Jones is the big splash quarterback signing that they need. Because they signed Teddy Bridgewater two years ago, right? They don't Mm -hmm. want anything close to Teddy Bridgewater. All respect to Teddy Bridgewater. They don't want anything close to Teddy Bridgewater again. Love Teddy. They want someone completely different than him. (laughs) They want to make the splash. And I just don't know. If they believe Mac Jones is the splash, I'm just not convinced of that. I agree with you 100% that the league is super high on Mac Jones, and I think that that's the case, and I think that he's going high. I just don't know if Carolina is that team. I'm not convinced that Carolina is that team. Okay. You do do with it what you will. You're picking at eight. Well, I'm going to take Penny Sewell because then if they don't like Mac Jones, the problem with that is this. To say that they don't like Mac Jones as much as some other teams is to say, like, oh, they don't have Mac Jones QB2. Because freaking some teams apparently are absolutely nuts over Mac Jones. Um, I think that the I, – I'll put it to you this way. If the Panthers don't get to trade up into that top four and they don't get one of those top four quarterbacks, it's reasonable to me that they could fully tilt and make a, a move that they should not make, like taking Mac Jones at eight. Maybe. Uh, it's something we've seen happen in the draft before, and, and it's something that would not surprise me with aggressive ownership. With that said, Sewell falling to them is very nice. We'll draft Penny Sewell. I wonder what their plan will be at quarterback for this upcoming season. But I, uh, I, I, I think that Mac Jones goes top 10. I think that's where we're at right now. It's 
the the smoke on him is unbelievable at this point. Atlanta Falcons at nine. In my mock draft that I that I did on Sunday night with Zach Cohen, I had them moving back even from further from nine. I had the Arizona Cardinals trading up from sixteen to nine to go get Patrick Sertan. I could do that again. You know what? I will do that again. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I love this move. I really do, and I want to do it on the podcast just because I want to give it another shout out. I like the thought of the the Falcons double trading back getting even more assets because their biggest needs is edge, and I think that they could get edge later in the draft. I think they could address offensive line as well. If Rayshon Slater's there, I think that they could pick Rayshon Slater. They could plug him into the interior or have him flex as an offensive tackle if you really don't like Caleb Gary. Now that I'm saying this out loud, I feel like that might be the best move. God, I hate it. I hate that I'm non-committal. This is me. Raw and real. Right so on the, Right on the mock draft. Are you moving back? I don't know, Ben. Am I? So, feels like feels like you should move back. Do you think I should move back? I think that Mac Jones would go top ten. Well, I'm not trading. If you're trading back, somebody's trading up, and I'm assuming somebody's trading right. up. Sure, 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 sure. But I mean. You gotta, you gotta think, you gotta think about it like this. You saying that Mac Jones wants to get in the top ten, I do think that that's a possibility. But it's not like a team really has to trade up to nine. Cowboys aren't drafting a quarterback. Giants aren't drafting a quarterback. Eagles aren't drafting a quarterback at twelve. True. If, true. Uh, the Chargers aren't drafting a quarterback at thirteen. Vikings aren't drafting a quarterback at fourteen. Patriots, right. yeah, there, sure, fifteen. There could but be other trade up teams that are as you know threatening. There could be. But I don't think they need to pay the premium at nine. We're going Rayshon Slater, actually, for the Falcons at, at nine. There that we was go. the we we just did the full circle there, but we're going Rayshon Slater. No, but that that that's why we talk it out. And that's why we don't make fun of people when they're having difficulty picking between two things out on a pick. I would never okay. do that. Ten. Dallas Cowboys. Uh usually default to Patrick Sertan here. I think that maybe JC Horn has played himself Ooh, into this conversation. Yeah. That's what Cowboys fans want. Yeah, I feel like I see Cowboys fans really want J.C. Horn. Uh, I really don't think they're going to get him. I think that the the team, I I I'm trying to think of a box that the Cowboys look for in evaluation, and of Dan Quinn's defense that Patrick Sertan doesn't check, and I can't think of one. Uh, the only box that I can uh, starting the only box that I could check is that Jerry Jones would make the pick, and J.C. Horn's the flashier name. No, Patrick Sertan's the flashier name. J.C. Horn's playing great, but this is Patrick Sertan the second. No. I still think J.C. Horn's the flashier name. No, no, no. I think they, I think they take Sertan. That's... Okay. No. Are you having to take Sertan? Maybe if Joe Horn had named J.C. Joe Horn the second, we'd have a conversation. <laughs> Dad. Um, always no, gotta put, I think... Always got to put the second at the end of names. Yeah, I, I I know. I mean, like Horn tested very well, you know, very impressive. But we got to remember, like Sertan also tested really, really no, well. No, I, I know, I know. It's just that that JC Horn is the flashier player, like right now. He's like he's the headline kind of corner, and I I know that people are going to have him as CB one because of that. I agree with you. Sertan's going to end up my CB one. I'd pick Sertan if I'm the Cowboys. But that's just, I, I think they might go the other way. What I mean, like, Sertan's a fantastic I feel like we're though. just trying to sabotage one another for most of this mock draft, which I respect. Yeah, no, we have to. Patrick Sertan, add 10 to the Cowboys for all the reasons stated over the course of many, many years. Folks, we've been telling you guys about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate in all of their bars. Now it's time to find out which Built Bar bar is the best in Built Bar Madness. Go to BuiltBar.com or at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to find out what the day, what today's matchup is. Getting towards the end of the month, so uh, coming up on the finals here. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order when you go to BuiltBar.com. And check back in to see who won every day's matchup to find out who will be crowned the best tasting protein bar. Final parts of the mock draft coming up after the break. New York Giants up now at 11 Edge rusher is a big need for him. Linebacker, I think, would be a big need for him. 
Wide receiver potentially could be a big need for him. Mm. Probably not. I think I'm going to go with Micah Parsons here. I think Micah Parsons, especially with his edge experience, gives them what they need in the middle. They need that athleticism there. He's also great at rushing the passer off the edge. He's got that background to him. Had an incredible pro day. Put on a show like we knew that he would. He just feels like a Gettleman player as well. So we're going to go Micah Parsons here at 11. I wish that the Giants were honest about Daniel Jones because then they'd be in the quarterback market and then they'd take Matt Jones here. To replace and it Daniel would be, Jones. What's that? To replace Daniel Jones. Right. They would go from a Daniel Jones to a McCorkle Jones. Massive improvement on a Jones. Not a big improvement on a quarterback position at all. McCorkle? 12th of the Philadelphia Eagles. McCorkle, baby. Uh, I'm honestly disappointed it's taking the podcast this long to bring up the fact that Mac Jones' real name is McCorkle. Anyway. Eagles at 12. Good board for them. Uh, Devontae Smith available. J.C. Horn available. With the Eagles trade back, you know, kind of referencing the whole they can move from 6 to 12 and still attack the same talent pool. In the event that four quarterbacks go, uh, one of the following eight players will be available for the Eagles. Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. Patrick, Tan- Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn, Rashawn Slater, Penny Sewell. That's a good pool of eight players to be guaranteed at least one. In this case, they have two of those players because Michael Parsons went. They won't take Parsons, uh, even though they need him. But J.C. Horn can play... Corner two for them, opposite Slay. Devontae Smith uh, can obviously be a Z receiver for them and contribute uh, to that very weak receiver core. With that said, I'm going to take J.C. Horn here. Nice. I'm going to do it because uh, for as much help as the Eagles need at wide receiver, I'm worried that Devontae Smith straight won't be on their board because of his weight. Meanwhile, Horn checks, like I said, of Sertan every single box that we presume they look for. He's going to be a high-caliber athlete with multiple years of starting experience. It's also going to be at an SEC school, which is nice, so the Eagles don't typically do the sec thing too hard uh for jonathan gannon coming from a matt everflus background in which uh what's prioritized in your secondary is intensity tackling physicality run support uh jc horn's play style will be extremely attractive uh they're going to love his demeanor they're going to love his hustle uh, which is what they've prioritized and then they play a defense that protects their corners from having big coverage responsibilities because they really want their corners to be like those kind of culture guys. Uh, Horn doesn't have experience in zone coverage from the Gamecocks, so it's going to be a bit of a translation for him. But with both him and Darius Slay, you can just go out there and play press man if you want. And every team wants to be able to play man. And I'm sure that the Eagles will be happy with, all right, we can play man with these guys and we're going to work in our zone stuff throughout the year as we get more comfortable in it. So I think that 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 works for you, even though the scheme fit isn't perfect. Los Angeles Chargers now on the clock at number 13. I'm eyeing the trade back here, and I'm eyeing either Chicago or Washington as the teams to trade up. I don't really trust Chicago to do smart things at this point, so I'm instead going to have the Washington football team move up from 19 to 13 to jump in front of the Patriots to go up and get Mac Jones. I understand that they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Ryan Fitzpatrick could play forever, and I hope he plays forever. But there's a good chance that they're probably going to have a long-term plan that they want to get in the building. And if Mac Jones can make it somewhere in the early teens, I think that's a prime spot for Washington to move up. What do you think, Ben, about them offering Washington to go from 19 to 13? Their first-round pick this year, a third-round pick this year, and a third-round pick next year to move up those six spots. I'm trying to remember the Broncos-Steelers trade, the Devin Bush-Noah Fant trade. I think they went from 20 to 10, and they sent a 1, a 2, and a 3. And so you're going from 19 to 13, so it's a little bit less, but you are still going for a quarterback. And we're saying we're doing a 1, a 3, and a 3, right? Denver received Pittsburgh's 2019 first and second round picks and a third round pick the following year. So yeah, it was a 1, a 2, and a 3. You're right. Okay, but the, 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 the 3 was in the future, and the 2 is this year. Yes, but which it was, was also they moved up to 10 from 20, yeah. and this is 19 to 13. Which is less, but it is for a quarterback. Yeah, one three and a three. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a one this year, a three this year, and then a two next year, not a three next year, just because of the discount on next year's picks. 
But this this models it pretty nicely, I think. Regardless, I think that if Mac Jones is in range, Washington is going to call him up. They do here. They get it to 13. That's what the price they're given. And I've got Mac Jones going to Washington 13. You're up at 14. Oh, how fun. Mac Jones behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Slightly different players. Love it. Uh, 14, Minnesota Vikings. I want to take Elijah Vera Tucker here. Uh, I'm not going safety. I'm not going edge. I'm not taking Devontae Smith. Yeah. I want to take. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Elijah Veritaker here. I think Elijah Veritaker is the best guard in the class. I think with the moving on from Riley Reef and Ezra Cleveland going to left tackle, the biggest need for the Vikings is that guard. I think Elijah Veritaker is a great scheme fit. He's going to be a high impact player for a team that wants to run the football. Easy money. Devontae Smith still on the board here for the Patriots at number 15. Yeah, we didn't have them making moves, but this makes total sense. I mean, even with them adding Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, they've got the tight ends that they want. Devontae Smith brings you the mentality there. And you know, it's it, it's smaller deals for those other wide receivers. I think that Devontae Smith is somebody that you could build around. So at least for certainly the Patriots room, which needs a lot of guys that they could build around. So I'm going to go Devontae Smith here at 15. This is a much more comfortable spot for him than him going in the top 10. Arizona Cardinals at 16, who have added Malcolm Butler, who have added A.J. Green, who have added J.J. Watt. They're just trying to dominate the 2015 NFL season, and rightfully so. Uh, that's the best way to build a team is get players who were good a while ago who aren't as good now. Uh, Sarcasm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a corner then that they're going to feel confident taking at 16. Uh, Vera Tucker off the board hurts. Cal Pitts off the board hurts. Oh, man, I mean, it feels like the biggest gap on this team is running back, and it feels like the best they've got on the board is running back. With the way they put a premium on speed, as a team under Cliff Kingsbury, like, is this going to be Travis Etienne? Are we going to see that be running back? I I think if if the Cardinals were to take a running back in the first round, I would tell you that it would be Travis Etienne. Right. And they have Chase Edmonds who they had in the receiving role with Kenyon Drake, who rotated, you know, through and caught a lot of passes for them. So you don't have to worry about Etienne's pass catching as much. Yeah. I think it should be, I think, right. I think they would take a running back for his running ability and not for the three down, everything like that. And, there's still questions with Etienne in terms of his vision in that regard, but the, it's the home run speed that's going to matter to Arizona. So Travis Etienne at 16 to the Cardinals. Uh, Vegas had a massive overhaul on what was a really nice offensive line, I thought, and now it's it just kind of skeptical. Their biggest hole, though, after subtracting and adding some players, is still right tackle. And Tevin Jenkins is on the board here. Easy for him to slide in. He's got two years of experience in his in his two most recent years at Oklahoma State playing at right tackle. He's got a mean streak. I think Gruden and Mayock are really going to love that about him. And so Tevin Jenkins going 17. I think we, we had this discussion before. It feels weird that the Raiders would just subtract offensive linemen to then draft offensive linemen. But this is, to me, the biggest hole on their roster right now, given the options that are on the board i guess jeremiah uzukoromoa could tempt me here but i'm still going tevin jenkins i think that's a smart pick no darisaw no because they have colton miller so darisaw has played most of his time at left tackle and i think that tevin jenkins mm-hmm. is going to be close to darisaw in most rankings anyways and tevin jenkins is just the easier plug in at right tackle all right 18 overall to the miami dolphins Jason Owe, Ed, Owe, Jason Owe, Edge, Penn State. Listen, I wrote about Owe today. Uh, he had no sacks last year. It's not Zero. suboptimal. Not a, it's just not great. Zip. He had seven sacks on his career. Two edges taken in the last 10 years have had fewer sacks when they were selected. Uh, Ziggy Anson in 2013 went five overall. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul in 2010 went 15 overall. It's edges in the first round, fewer than seven sacks. Uh Ziggy didn't start playing football until he was in college. Pierre Paul didn't start playing until he was a junior in high school. Same as Owe. Uh, neither one of them tested as well, even weight adjusted, as Owe did. Uh, Owe's out here breaking records. Uh, both of them had those final seasons of peak right before they came out for the draft. Owe had 
five sacks in like 350 or in like 190 pass rush reps last year. Like I didn't realize how efficient he was last year on a snap to snap basis. And usually efficiency over a small sample implies efficiency over a larger sample. Last year, he ended up playing just a small of a sample because Big Ten didn't start football for ages. Uh, and he just didn't get any sacks. But he still had productive rushes. And sacks, we know, to be highly situational. So I've really about faced on, like, freaking out about OA to doing more research and being like, you know what? Like, there's actually precedent that this works. Both Pierre Paul and and, uh, and uh, uh, Ziggy Ansah were 12-plus sack players by year three. And so uh, I think always going to be drafted extremely highly. Mm. Uh, this makes him the first edge off the board because of how well we how we've gone through. I would be surprised if he makes it out of like the mid twenties. Uh, the the Miami Dolphins in desperate need of an outside edge track player going to love his run defense, which is the best film that he's got right now. So he's a three down player like that right. as he develops. I think it's a good pick. Chicago at number twenty, not a great board for Chicago in a lot of different ways. Chargers at nineteen. Oh, sorry. You're right. Chargers in 19. I had already made my selection because I and had you looked at who was at what the it was top of the board. <laughs> I w- I, I've done that a time or two. <laughs> uh, Christian Derrissaw going number 19 to the <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers. They have Brian Rulaga on the right side. They added Lindsley. They added Matt Fieler on the the interior. And so I really think they did a good job attacking their biggest weakness. And so getting Christian Derrissaw to then plug in at the left tackle spot, that is a job well done for the offseason for the Los Angeles Chargers. Ben, now you're up at number 20. The Chicago Bears at 20. <laughs> That's a dang shame. So I would have liked Christian Derrissaw there. Uh, as it is, uh, I've got my guy at offensive tackle, who I think that the Bears are really going to like because they tend to like Notre Dame offensive linemen, and that dude's Liam Eikenberg. This would have been uh, the pick I, that I was making, by the way. So Yeah, as you mentally prepared for a team that wasn't yours. Uh, I, if you go back and listen to our offensive tackle podcast, I really uh, I, I go in on Eikenberg, who I think is a pro's pro. I think he's so rock steady. I think he's so ready. And for the Chicago Bears, God knows what timeline they think they're on. But one, you're dealing Andy Dalton. They're probably going to get a young quarterback in there at some point. They're probably going to try to win games now to keep the jobs of their head coach and general manager. Who knows? All I know is Eichenberg's a doggone good tackle, and they got a space for him at left tackle. I think he wins that job, and he starts there for a long time. I think the corner's probably the Colts' now biggest need at 21. In my head, I, I I still think that Patrick Peterson is on the Colts because I love that fit so much, and I thought that it made so much sense, and then he didn't sign with the that Colts. you just convinced yourself it's reality? Right, yes. No, 100%. I was just like, oh, this is perfect. This makes total sense. This is absolutely happening. And every time I go to the Colts step chart, I'm like, no, we have corner as a high knee, but they just signed Peterson. And then I look for him, and I'm like, where is Patrick Peterson? Why have they not put Patrick Peterson on the roster? It's because he's playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, corner, I think, is the big need here for them. You know, Caleb Farley's still on the board. We just we, we don't really know what the draft outlook of Caleb Farley is going to be after this recent back surgery because this now this makes it multiple back surgeries that he has had before even playing it down in the NFL, and that's just not good. Uh, wide receivers, Rashad Bateman is still on the board, so I think that maybe they consider that, but wide receiver, I think that they're they're happy with the guys that they have there. Offensive tackle, I would have liked Liam Meikenberg. I think that would have been a perfect pick there. Samuel Cosme still. Mm, Samuel Cosme could go in and play. You don't get to tell me we have to go rapid fire for the last picks with how much you're waxing on this Colts pick right now. Okay, fine. Samuel Cosme, you're up. Oh, I shouldn't have said anything. That was way too bold. Ah, Tennessee Titans. Just pick Rashad Bateman so we can move on to 23. Yeah, it's a perfect fit. They need a pass catcher. Corey Davis role. Going to be great intermediate routes, right? That, That fits great. I was also looking at Greg Newsom, Caleb Farley. I think they need a corner more than they need a wide receiver. Um, but Bateman's ability to move around for them is going to be important for that offense, especially if they stay being a two-wide receiver approach. Rashad Bateman to the Titans. The New York Football Jets, which Ben hates me saying all the time because I'm just playing off the Giants. Corner and edge, big needs here. Pretty good board for it. Not a single edge rusher has gone off the board. They've still got corners. Besides Farley. Oh, yeah, you picked, wait, you picked OA as edge one. Yeah, and I said that during my blurb. Thank you for listening. I was already onto the Chicago pick. I don't know what you want. Yeah, which wasn't even mine. <laughs> I know. Uh, Jets could go edge if they wanted to. I think the board is pretty good for it. But I think they need CB more, especially after getting Carl Lawson. They could be okay with that. And I, I don't know how much I trust a, a good starting corner to be available with their next couple of picks. I think they could get edge rusher with their next picks in the second and there is somewhere on day two. So I'm going to go with corner. I'm going to go with Greg Newsom here. You can plug Greg Newsom in right away. I think that he's a starting corner for you if you're the New York Jets. So there we go. 23 Greg Newsom. 
24, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Caleb Farley or Eric Stokes, flip a coin. Depends on on your internal eval on Farley's health. I know I gave them Farley previously because I think that the, there's a connection to Virginia Tech there, and obviously he's athletically what they'd be looking for. Stokes also athletically what they'd be looking for. Uh, and so in this case, we'll go for Eric Stokes because I, I, I gave him Farley last week. Uh, Steelers prioritizing defensive backs early. Steelers prioritizing high-caliber athletes early. So Stokes is absolutely going to be on their board. Uh, Steven Nelson out of the building. Joe Hayden likely out of the building soon. This position, they have to start really investing in the long-term look on it. Uh, Eric Stokes is going to be that guy for them. Jaguars, we've mentioned it before. They've talked consistently about adding a pass-catching tight end, an F-type tight end. I think it's going to be Pat Fryermuth. I think they're going to do it. Unless somebody really falls them, which the board has not. It hasn't been super advantageous for them, I think, to, to really take best player available over Fryermuth in the last couple of drafts that we've done. They still have that top pick in the second round, so they could wait on Fryermuth or Brevin Jordan if they wanted to, but because there's not really anybody... I think catching my eye here for for the Jaguars, I'm going to go with Pat Fryermuth at 25. I love getting Pat Fryermuth in the first round because I still think Pat Fryermuth is a first round player who we just don't talk about because Kyle Pitts is just so stinking good that it feels right, right, dumb to talk about Pat Fryermuth. All uh, right, 26. Ooh, great board for the Cleveland Browns who need an edge opposite Miles Garrett and have Aziza Jalati, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips, Greg Rousseau all available for them. Uh, with the premium on size that they typically have at their edges considered, I don't think this is a Zizo Jalari. Quiddy Pay, by the way, came in at 261 pounds at the Michigan Pro Day. He was mm-hmm. listed at 277, so that's called lying. Uh, I think Jalen Phillips, who's 260, true, played around, I think, 255, 260, is 6'5", has length, and has immediate rush impact, given that they cut Claiborne and they do need a player who's going to be able to start for them. I think Phillips is your best option. Got to clear him medically, but he's going to be your most high-impact guy. Uh, Choosing, if he pans out, a a year or two I think it'll take, but if he pans out, that decision, who do we double-team on third and long, is going to suck butt because both him and and, and Garrett are going to end up, I think, quite effective pass rushers on that timeline. You went full Yoda there. You went if he yeah. pairs out a year or two, it will take. I I I just wanted to make sure I I emphasized the timeline. I wasn't, uh, no, I know, I was but it was talking just, as you, I was thinking. You, you happened you happened to just go full Yoda with it. Twenty seven. The Baltimore Ravens edge rusher, big need for him. Aziz Ojolari still here. I think it's a perfect fit. So I I also think that uh, edge rusher like Joseph Osai is going to be high on the Baltimore Ravens board, but I don't think they're going to need to pick Joseph Osai especially with Aziz Ojolari here. So we're going to go with Aziz, the talented speed pass rusher from Georgia. Ooh, I like that. Uh, I hope that they're able to get him that speed to power rush. He needs it. And if he gets it, which Baltimore likes their speed of power rushers, I think he's going to be effective. All right. Saints at 28. Farley's still here. Mm-hmm. Take your best player available. Mm-hmm. Account for the loss of Janoris Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Extremely high ceiling opposite Marshawn Lattimore, who you may, you're obviously going to try to pay Marshawn Lattimore, but there's a chance you can't pay Marshawn Lattimore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, probably 28. I mean, it's just, we're, it's the Saints saying, oh, you guys don't want Chauncey Gardner Johnson for three rounds? I oh, will take, we'll take him in the fourth round. Oh, look what happened. Uh, so yeah, Caleb Farley, 20 to the Saints. I'll be furious, but I'll love it. You already picked Eric Soaks, didn't you? You did, you son of a gun. Yeah. And I did it just to make you mad. All right, Rondell Moore for the Green Bay Packers at 29. Gets the underneath threat. Compare with the big guys they have on the sides. Wow, Rondell Moore and uh, and and Devontae Adams in the same offense. Yikes. Yeah. Rondell Yikes. Take, on that, uh, take on that Tyler Irvin role. Start getting some touches this final line. Holy Scrimmage. cow. That'd be fun. Brian Gutenkunst drafting a 5'7 wide receiver would knock my socks off. No, he'll never. Like no, he'll never. But... I'm the captain. But he's not he's not the captain now. Right. He's not in charge. All uh, right. Uh Buffalo Bills at 30. Oh mm-hmm. frick, I already took Eric Stokes. Um Bills fans don't want a running back or a ooh, linebacker. Ooh, ooh, Quiddy Pay makes sense here. Oh Quiddy yeah, Pay. definitely. Yeah, big end, right? And obviously like he like I said, he's two sixty, but he played big end at Michigan. He's gonna be a rundown player, which is important for Buffalo. Uh the the six two two sixty bowling bowl frame is honestly not dissimilar from the mold that Jerry Hughes has been successful with for so long. Hughes six two two fifty six. Ooh, I like this. 
haven't done this one before. Quiddy pay to the Buffalo Bills. Get you an impact edge rusher opposite Jerry Hughes. You haven't had one in a while. Needed one last year in the playoffs. This is an important part of Buffalo taking the next step. We got the Chiefs on the board at 31. Would love for them to take an offensive tackle. Don't love the offensive tackles that are left. Dylan Radens, Jalen Mayfield, Alex Leatherwood, Brady Christensen. Maybe Brady Christensen. He's probably the name that sticks out to me the most, honestly. But you know who else is on the board, Ben? In a best player available approach. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're going Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I almost thought about picking somebody else just so he would still be on the board at 32 to see if you would have picked him for Tampa Bay. But I don't think you would have. I don't think I would have. But yeah, I mean, we definitely needed to get him in here. He's pretty good. I mean, I think he's going way higher than this. It's just yeah. we're we're probably focused a little bit too too much on needs when it comes to Wusukormoa. I think the league is going to draft Wusukormoa top fifteen. I think he's going high, man. I think the league loves him. You better be ready to play him as a box safety, man. You better, if you slap that boy into four three Mike right away, it's not going to go well for you. Slaps aside a car twice. Yep, that was 100%. As I was saying, I was like, who are you? Stop it right now. <laughs> okay. Right. 32, Tampa Bay. I like that you brought up Brady Christensen because Christensen has like a record-holding broad jump now, which is a big deal for tackles. Uh, I think that he's potentially played his way into round one. Uh, Leatherwood also tested really well at Alabama. It's better than I thought he would. So shout out to Leatherwood. I may, he may have played his way into round one as well. Uh are the Bucks taking tackle of the future with Najee Harris still on the board? I mean, Barmore still look, on the, board? the with them bringing back Leonard Fournette, all of this gets extremely confusing. I have no idea what they're going to do. No idea. I really don't. They could. Well, they. I've never seen a team have more of a best player available approach than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They do not have any holes on the roster. They just won a Super Bowl. Literally brought everybody back. Everybody is expected to have the same caliber year they had previously. I mean, obviously, you know that's probably not going to happen. Some guys are going to go up and down. You just don't know how to plan for it right now. I've just never seen... I've never seen a team have this much of a best player available approach. Shoot, they could they could draft Trayvon Merrick and say, like, okay, like we'll probably move on from Jordan Whitehead soon, and that means that Trayvon Merrick and Antoine Winfield Jr. could play on the back end for the future. Oh, boy. You know what I'm saying? I would like to see You know what I'm saying? It. Like, if you pick Trayvon Merrick here, I would go, hell yeah, great pick. <laughs> like it's and nobody nobody even thinks of that for the Bucks right now. What is okay? I'm looking up Jordan Whitehead's contract. Trevor just out here talking himself into something. All right, let me if I I want to I want to frame it to you this way. I think the pick the Bucks make here will be the pick that most gives just a year one shot in the arm. We're trying to win the Super Bowl again before Brady moves on, before Brady retires, before whatever. It's all about short term impact. Who stands out to you? What position stands out to you in terms of this is what we would go for if we were just trying to win right now? Plus, also, what is Jordan Whitehead's contract? Jordan Whitehead is a free agent next year. Trevon Merrick, at 23 to the—or, <laughs> at 32. Let's do it. Why not? We've never done it. I think it should be a first-round pick. I yeah. think that makes a lot of sense. I think that their secondary, and specifically their safety depth, was critical to them being such a heavy zone blitz team. Merrick is an interchangeable safety. Winfield can play from the, uh, deep down to the box to the slot. Merrick can play from deep down into the box. It's perfect for being able to move around with him. I think it's a great pick. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at because I agree with you completely. They're trying to pick a guy that helps their roster immediately no matter what. I think that Najee Harris probably puts him at the top or near the top of that conversation, but... If you have Najee Harris, your running backs this year, what are you gonna you're gonna roster four running backs because you've got uh, uh yeah, and I'm gonna start all of them at the same time. Keyshawn Vaughn, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, and then Najee Harris. I like at that point the room is so crowded, especially with veterans, does Najee Harris actually give you the most bang for your buck? Like if we were talking about Travis Etienne, maybe it's a difference because he brings you the elite speed. I don't know, man. It could be all over the place with the Bucks, but Trayvon Merrick, I'm totally cool with this because I've never seen it before. I don't know if I'm going to see it again, but I actually really like it. That's it. That's it. That's, That's what we did. That's it. it. There we go. Had to get that one in there. Had to get that mock draft Monday in there because we were freaking out all weekend about it. I texted Ben. I was like, what is the earliest you could possibly record this podcast? Because I'm just going to be sitting here last night, thinking so about it. This is literally the earliest. Okay, so this is the earliest. We did our best here to give it to you guys as early as possible. Man, it, look, we've already got Big Shake Up 
and it's not even April yet, guys. It's not even April, which I will tease this as well. For the month of April, leading up to the draft, we are going to be doing our guest mock draft series. We're going to be bringing in a beat reporter or an expert for every single team running down the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, and we're going to be talking about you know, the depth of the team, some recent signings they made, some recent subtractions as well, coaching situation, GM situation. It's going to be a lot like our Fix Your Team series, only we're going to have somebody very close to that situation on the podcast with us who will be bouncing questions off of them. And then at the end of the episode, or at least their segment, because I think we're going to get do two per episode, we will ask them to make a pick. And so it won't just be a first-round mock draft of Ben and I making picks. You guys have heard that enough. We're going. That's why we call it a guest mock. And it could look completely different. We've done this each of the last two years, and it's one of my favorite exercises that we get to do. So that's coming in the month of April. But, man, I'm so glad that we got these trades here <laughs> because if these happened in April, I'd have been mad because we would have been like halfway through. We would have had to redo some of the picks. Right. But, no, no, this is it. No more. Yeah, nobody make any more trades. The second we no, start the guest mock draft. You can trade on draft day or today. <laughs> There's only two options. That's it. Appreciate you guys being patient with us for this week's um I almost said midweek mock, but mock draft Monday. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're getting back to our final scouting reports for tomorrow. And for Wednesday, we are talking about running backs and then ending things out with quarterbacks. We've got our big board that we're talking about on Thursday. And then, of course, a fan Friday to end out the week. It's going to be exciting. Until all that, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.